You are listening to MSP 1337. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for joining us today. Uh, first and foremost, I'd like to thank our sponsor, MSP Ignite. MSP Ignite offers a peer group experience that is unique to managed service providers in the technology industry. If you are serious about implementing a model for success through sharing and collaboration of best practices, this is the best way to do it. Head on over to msp-ignite.com to get more information. All right, on to the show. Welcome everybody to uh, episode four of MSP 1337. I'm joined today by Lenny Giller of RTS. Welcome, Lenny. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So uh, it's been a interesting several weeks. We've talked about everything from uh, WannaCry ransomware. We've talked about phishing simulation. We've talked about uh, what does it mean to have secure endpoints. And today we are going to talk about kind of what I think is the paramount or, or precursor to all of those things being uh, prevented and then managed well, and that is uh, asset management. And so today, Lenny and I are going to talk about some of the things that as an MSP, it, it really means to go through and say, what are the assets that I'm responsible for in my environment? And then the benefits, I think, to doing a good job as we present that to our clients. So Lenny, recently you and Michael have been going through within your organization, what does it mean to really dial in a hardware asset management process, dialing in the policies and really looking at subcontrols that identify or, or uh, put in, into play uh, what is and isn't there so that you can be cognizant of new assets that may or may not be managed coming into your environment. Yep. So not to elaborate too much on this, but what were some of the things that really stand out to you when you were going through the subcontrols? Cause I know you and I talked probably a dozen or so times over the last few months as you were going through this process, what really stands out for you as far as, you know, making that happen? So the biggest thing probably and what took us the longest is to wrap our head around the fact that this, this uh, framework is about making sure that we're secure. You don't necessarily have to adhere to it to uh, full extent of what it's written. You have to understand what's important to you as an organization what assets you have as an organization and then whatever steps necessary to take to make sure you're secure. So once you understand that and you can make educated decision what bandwidth you have internally to secure those assets. So it took a little bit of time to really read through it and understand and uh, obviously reach out to you, Chris, you've been a lot of help. But once we wrapped our head around that, it was fairly simple to move forward. So let's back up for a minute. Um, I appreciate you, you know, thanking, thanking me for all the help that I've been, but I think what's really important is that the framework, and we'll, obviously we're talking about CIS top 20 here, any framework that you pick, they weren't necessarily written specifically to your individual company, right? We all, we all in some respects are snowflakes, right? We, we do something different than, than the guy down the street, at least something different. We're, we're not cookie cutter companies. 
And what's interesting, and, and this goes back to the conversations that we've had, is that as we go through the subcontrols, there's a couple of factors that come into play. Do I have the resources to successfully implement this control in my environment? And number two, does it put me in a position of either improving my security posture or does it put me more at risk in whether in, in the ability to go out and, and make more money, right? Like, because we have to consider the risks of implementing these subcontrols, not just I become more secure. So uh, going into some of the subcontrols, Lenny, you know, talk to me about like, what was like the one control that stands out to you is, is going, I totally understand this. This makes perfect sense versus some of the controls that I know you felt really inclined to just hand off to someone that's more of a technical nature. So, yeah, I'm not technical myself. So, uh, the ones that really made sense for me is to, to have, it's, it's very simple. It's inventory control, right? It's asset management. So what assets do you have under management in your environment? And uh, it kind of fits in both from the security standpoint, but also how many MSPs out there can tell you right now, what are all the assets they have? And sure. are all those assets are approved to be on the network or not? And where are they located? Uh, so at any point you can say, yes, uh, I have a spreadsheet that I can tell you exactly how many assets, I can tell you their MAC addresses, and I can make sure that nothing that is allowed, uh, that is not allowed on the network that we didn't okay, that we didn't touch, that didn't go through our security scans before entering our network. I mean, sure. at the end of the day, let's be honest, we are a goldmine for any hacker because if anybody gets into our environment, they get into environments of 50, 60, 100 other companies. So uh, we definitely have a bullseye on our back. So. Uh, knowing what you have from your uh, inventory standpoint, it uh, prevents uh, prevents security risk, but it also gives you more flexibility to make business decisions because you know what assets you have. And yeah. anything that comes to technical, I am not technical myself. I and Michael uh, Michael was the one uh, driving that. You know, and at the end of the day, I don't think this is really about being technical. It's about knowing what you have. And I don't think that's a technical question. So I did this as an experiment in the last couple of weeks. I decided I wanted to really know what assets I had at home. So I started going through some asset inventory and I figured out, okay, I got, you know, my laptop, my laptops, and I kind of went through the process and I was really surprised at how many devices I had. Well, through this process, um, uh, I had one of my children decide to um, really uh, put himself in a position where there needed to be some sort of consequence to go along with it. So I said, I want you to go get all of your technology and I want you to put it in this box and you are now grounded from all technology for the next week. So me thinking that he's going to come back with his cell phone and, you know, I don't know, maybe one or two other devices that could have could appear. He came back and I'm, I'm telling you, this is like a legal size filing box and it was completely filled with tech. And I'm going, where, where did this stuff even come from? Like half of it, I didn't even recognize. So I just so happened to have a, I was working with the school district to do some recycling and I had put some of that stuff in my garage to go and, and dispose of it. And he had happened to go through it. All of it still worked, but it needed to be recycled. So, you know, on, 
under our own eyes, under my nose, I had technology leaking into my network that I wasn't aware of or even doing anything to, to manage. And this is at my house. So if we think about that in the context of doing this for ourselves, you know, to your point about security, totally get it. So um, let's talk about uh, how this factors in as we start talking with our clients, because you and I have had this conversation. They're very resistant to this, right? And even other MSPs saying, well, if I'm going to get ransomware, I'm going to get ransomware. What's the point? And I think that um, as we've talked about this, there's two really really good reasons, I think, to do this. One, you've already talked about the security, knowing what you have helps you make good business decisions about what you need to, to purchase and acquire going forward. But the second one I think is really important too, and that is how do I help my client manage their own assets to prevent devices from coming onto the network that shouldn't be there, which comes back to, and this is really MSP focused, right? What am I billing monthly to my client when yesterday they had, you know, 150 devices and tomorrow they have an additional 30 like we were talking about? So, um, like you said, it's knowing what do you have on the environment from the billing standpoint, because at the end of the day, whatever your billing practices are, you're still spending time and effort and money on uh, managing those devices. And whether you're going to bill them right away or you're gonna give them some grace period, it really makes no difference. But think about this. At some point, you're gonna to have to do a true up, right? You're gonna to have to take a look and see what other devices popped into the network and how much time is it really gonna take you to reconcile your bill. But if you have tools and if you have a system in place that you, first of all, protects you, protects your customer from role devices on the network and potential security breach, uh, but also at the same time helps you streamline your billing. And uh, we all know that billing can take a lot of time and a lot of effort. Uh, that's a win-win for everybody. They're secure and uh, you're billing correctly. You're not wasting time and energy and money on something, and then you're looking at your monthly profit reports. You're like, well, how come this customer went down 10 points from last month? Well, because that customer now has 10 more devices that you had no idea about. Right. This this really is a um, we we and we do this in in peer groups, right? When we when we sit down and talk about financials, one of the things that we look at is you know what is the cost of of per endpoint versus profitability. And I realize we all talk about. Uh, we've transitioned away in a lot of a lot of things to we do a per user billing model, but we're still factoring our costs in, right? So if, if a user, yeah, so if if a, one of your end users that you're charging the some whatever the fee might be per month, and they add another tablet or another laptop, and they want those managed just like their other devices, there's that cost. But what about the devices that they don't want us to manage, right? So I, I bring my cell phone in that's that's personal, and I go and put it on the network. What, what are the risks that are taking place that need to be um, brought to the attention of the client by you, the MSP, when those types of things happen? Yeah, so, I mean, perfect example. Oh, yeah, we have this intern computer or we have 10 intern computers. We don't really care about managing them. Well, are they connected to your network? Yes. Well, if they're connected to your network and we all know that interns are just brilliant people and they work eight hours a day without uh, taking a break and all they do is your work stuff, they're not going to go and click on something that is potentially going to bring your entire environment down. So if it's not, uh, if, if those devices are not supported there and they're not managed, yeah, you, you're gonna have a problem on your hand. And eventually when the problem will occur, 
they'll forget really quickly that you told them that that device needs antivirus, that device needs to meet your uh, baseline configuration. And all, and by the way, that desktop is uh, Windows XP that they just won't get rid of. Uh, they'll forget all these conversations that you had that would expect you to fix that actual cost. So now you're looking at two, three days worth of cleanup. Uh, what is that going to do to your bottom line? Well, that's the whole assumption factor, right? Our clients assume that because we're in the room that we do all these things, regardless of what's there at the you know cost that they signed off on. I think it's really interesting when you put it in that perspective. If, if you think about devices coming and going, what are the real risks, right? So I think about what it is to, to me, if, if they bring in a device that's running Windows XP or Windows 7 or, or any number of things that might've been say the, the intern device, those are substantial risks. And we haven't even really touched on it, but you know, as we go through sub controls, the, the other element to this is it's not just the management of assets. It's the management of authorized and unauthorized assets, right? So you're managing both of those things. And so to your point, whether it's an intern or uh, my personal device, if you have good asset inventory in place, then you can identify when a device shows up on a network that's say um, tied to sensitive information. You can literally go, hey, wait a second, that device should not ever show up on that network whether it shows up in your office or not, it's not my responsibility. But if I can't show you that that was an unauthorized device, then you're going to always assume I'm taking care of everything in the room. Yeah. And uh, to your point, if you actually read through control one and all the eight sub controls, uh, and then you read the policy itself, you'll realize really quickly, it's not just about the security. It's also about, uh, sorry, not just about the device management. It's also about the security portion of it. So um, perfect example would be, um, I know of an MSP that uh, asked a question not too long ago and said that somebody plugged in a Wi-Fi device on their own client's network and all of a sudden they had 30 new devices appear on the network. Well, that's a problem, but if you follow through uh, stop 20 control one, that will never happen because you will actually lock your environment down to a point that nobody can plug anything and do anything with it. So security is a huge portion of it. So not only that you're knowing what devices you have that can help you from business standpoint, but also you know which devices can and cannot access uh, your network. We all, we're always gonna have some devices you're sitting on the shelf, whether right. it's uh, for development purposes, whether we had a, or for a customer, they let go of somebody or they had an, it's an engineering firm, they have a really robust computer, but that computer probably three, four, five years old now. And for the CAD operator, that computer is no longer valid. However, that computer is gonna be perfect for an admin person. So if you have that inventory control and you know you have that device, it's a very simple thing to say, okay, we have a new hire and it's going, that person is gonna be an admin why not just reassign that computer, make sure that it fits within our baseline configuration and has all the security features enabled on it. Now, right now, right there, you saved your customer six, seven, eight hundred dollars um, and you save quite a bit of time on installation and configuration as well. So we, we, so not, not to go down a rabbit hole here, but you're kind of getting into what I believe is why this is foundational, but it's really where the building blocks for an overall governance plan 
or you've got additional policies and controls that you'll eventually have to implement because we didn't go down this uh, in talking about asset management, but part of asset management does lend itself to uh, how are you securing those assets, which is, you know, a completely different, uh, we could segue into a whole nother topic by talking about uh, the secure, secure asset. It's kind of like what we talked about a little bit in the last episode. Um, but one of the things that I think is really important that you brought up, um, I think more than once now is if we are doing a good job of managing the assets for our clients, you're now getting into that trust factor where your clients are gonna be less prone to make decisions about buying assets or uh, implementing the use of an asset without bringing you into the conversation first because they're starting to see a trend that correlates to saving them money and time by making sure that they're taking advantage of the assets they already have versus going and configuring assets that may have been brought in from the outside just to satisfy that new hire or uh, a need that has changed in the organization. Oh, my device doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? So have you, you know, as you've gone through this and really satisfied control one of, of CIS top 20, are you seeing opportunities, you know, and I, I know this is like putting you on the spot, but are you seeing opportunities to share this from an educational perspective with your clients? I haven't given it a lot of thought on how, what would be the pitch to the customers? Because we all know that any kind of security um, efforts with their client, they're going to say no to right off the bat because it's inconvenient. And uh, that, that's, that's going to have to be a really deep dive down the road for us where we have decided for time being, before, and we constantly talk to our customers about security. And we do uh, asset management to our best ability with tools that we have, but it's definitely nowhere near as uh, granular as it is uh, internally for us now after we implemented and adopted control one of CIS top 20. Um, but uh, one, the, probably the biggest thing is productivity because what happens if something does show up on the network unannounced? And oh, right. for, forget about uh, security risks just simple productivity. If something shows up on the network unannounced and starts eating up bandwidth, you will bring the, the whole environment pretty much to its knees. And now you have 40, 50, 60, depending on the size of the organization of employees that are crawling because there is something on the network and you have no idea what. So now it's, it's no longer just about security. It's about productivity. They understand that. Yeah, I, I'd like to touch on that a little bit before we wrap this up. If you think about, if we go back in time, I'll, I'll say, let's just go back five years. If we were really thinking about this control that we are today, five years ago, from we would be looking at it through a different lens, right? It wouldn't be security driven as much as it would be, oh, here's what happens when you buy the printer from Best Buy or wherever, and the end user puts it in and turns on, you know, AirPrint. And now you've got this printer sitting in an environment that's just chatting out to everybody saying, here I am, here I am. And, and, no, one's, and no one's saying, hey, I need to print. Uh, I remember when uh, products like Apple TVs and some of the iOS uh, technology started to become very popular in the business space because now I could cast you know, to the, to the TV and not plug any cables in. And oh wait, that used the Bonjour protocol and it was very chatty and, and noisy. Uh, fast forward, we've got a whole lot of other reasons for it, but ultimately this is getting into that whole 
the IoT, you know, the Internet of Things, these devices that create a lot of noise that are not necessarily bad products in and of themselves, but not properly managed, not put on the right network, lend itself to a poorly implemented product productivity, right? Like this reduces the ability to be productive in an environment solely because we put devices in there that were convenient. The, yes, technology is a wonderful thing, but it absolutely has to be managed. So something that you think is gonna be a uh, game changer for you as an organization can have uh, really uh, negative impacts on a business from a productivity standpoint. So without knowing what's on your network and how it's going to behave on your network, without having the protocols in place, checks and balances before you imp implement something, uh, that's, you just, it's a recipe for disaster. One of the things that, uh, we will have to implement this change management and that's something that Michael and I are looking at it closely right now. Um, how many times has one of the engineers did a firmware update in the middle of the day because he thought it's going to take two seconds. Next thing you know, you're getting tickets left and right because they just stop working. They don't have internet connectivity, they lost connection to the server or whatever else. And uh, you start looking at it and one of the engineers like, oh yeah, that was so, yeah, so, so now you're getting into yet another, another podcast that we'll have to spend some time on. I, I think you're volunteering for at least one of those. I, I got a couple more questions for you. One is uh, you touched on this a little bit. You talked about how granular you went within your own MSP on implementing uh, asset management. Talk to me a little bit about your, your sort of hesit, I don't want to say hesitation, that's not the right word, but the approach that you're taking with your clients, because I think it's, it's very clear that you don't necessarily need to go and hit all eight controls. It's really about what makes sense for the client. And we know that there's probably two, maybe three of those sub-controls that are must-haves. Uh, can you kind of talk about that a little bit? So uh, the approach that I think I will be taking with, our, with my customers is more of educational approach. Not saying, hey, you absolutely must have uh, some kind of security framework. Plus, let's not forget that in today's world, we have a lot of help for them to understand that they need that. Mm -hmm. uh, their, uh, their insurance company is knocking on their door and every time that they have to renew their cybersecurity policy, which probably most of the companies now they have it, they get presented with a questionnaire. Now, whether, and you and I had this discussion on the questionnaire, whether it's valid or not, let's put that aside for a second, mm -hmm. but they still have to fill out some sort of questionnaire. And what do they do? They look at it and they call their MSP and they're like, well, I got this. Can you, can you fill this out for me? This is an opportunity right there to open that conversation with your customer. And the, the plan that I'm probably gonna implement is okay, Let's sit down, let's review what it is, um, say, as that point, let's say. Uh, why is that important? What controls are there? And what are the sum of the sub-controls? And the biggest thing is we're going to talk about different implementation groups. You don't have to do all of them. Right. Let's see what makes sense for you. Let's see what your security appetite is. And let's, see, let's take baby steps because all of those policies and procedures have to be reviewed on annual basis. Just like we have, we always, as MSPs, we're always talking about touch points. Right. You know, and then those touch points in a lot of cases are a lot of nonsense, really. 
but if you have something as important as security and you sit down with them and you start talking to them, this is where we implemented last year. Uh, this year we can implement this, or you might have some other ones that do have compliance uh, reasons why they have to implement all of it at once and they might not have a choice. You know what I mean? So just opening their eyes and explaining to them what is what exactly it means to have uh, cybersecurity uh, policies in place and how they benefit them one by one, I think it's gonna be, it's gonna open their eyes rather than putting a stack of papers and say, now your network is going to be extremely, extremely restricted. Do you think that, you know, as we close this out, do you think that there are controls in that stack that you're going to implement because you're managing their environment? So whether they're, whether you, I, I get the education part, part of this, I think is educating them as to what you do for them. But do you see that there are sub controls that you need to just implement as a part of managing their environment? Well, the, the very first one, absolutely. Yeah. Is having that, uh, that, detailed asset inventory because yeah. right now we have um, yeah we have um, agents on all of their devices but our policy internally if a device doesn't check in for more than 30 days uh, we check with them if that computer is uh, used or not and if they say no then we remove our agent and we remove antivirus from it. we do have sure. to turn it off but that can appear on the network at any point. But if we have full control of that, we'll just tell them we decommission that computer for time being and we unplugged it, that's where it is. And we are we have the computer available for a new hire at any point. Yep. So we uh, we've talked about CIS top 20 being our framework of reference. We've spent a lot of time talking about the control one hardware asset management and going into great detail on some of the sub controls that uh, RTS uses in their company and obviously other MSPs take note. Uh, you may not use every single one of those sub controls, but it is likely that you will implement very many or, or sorry, many of them. Uh, and then to just remember that as you look to implement this with your clients, you may not implement more than that first control of making sure you have detailed documentation of those assets. With that, this has been an episode of 1337. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day.